0: Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit IBM.com/Watson Assistant. Welcome, everyone, to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron, on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants Reporter, and we're back here. Because I promised you I would get to your Giants After Dark questions. So what we're going to do here in this episode is I'm going to have a 12-pack Giants After Dark where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions, okay? So we'll get to that in a minute, but I'm going to be proactive first because really what happens is I get a lot of the same questions over and over and over again, okay? And and it's been like this now for months, so I'll bang these out first. Without taking anyone's specific question, and we'll get, we'll get to the 12 pack Giants after dark in a minute, but let's just get this out of the way, okay? No, they're not gonna get Jadavian Clowney. That hope for some of you, just get rid of it. Throw it out the window, put it in the garbage can, put it in, put it away in storage. That one is not gonna happen. I just can't see that one happening, right? The Giants, as far as I'm aware, never really showed serious interest in him. Okay. Price, sure that had plenty to do with it, but there's other factors as well. I it doesn't make sense for them, like some people are like, well, what if he's you could get him cheap on a one year deal now? Well, if he gets a cheap one year deal, it's not gonna be with the Giants. It's gonna be with a team like the Seahawks or the Titans. Okay? And those are the two teams you hear most with Clowney. So he might wait until things open back up, that's what it seems like. But I still and I know this will linger until he does get signed. But I do not expect that to happen. Now let's get on to Marcus Golden. Is he returning? Marcus Golden has a chance of returning now? The Giants use this rare uh May fifth tender on him, right? And what it does is it basically takes his same deal the Giants gave him last year, puts it on the table now at hundred ten percent. So it could max out at a little over five million dollars. My understanding is everything except some of the guarantee, except the guarantees, whatever are on the table now for him for one year, which is the 2020 season. So he could make, if he hits that $1 million sack incentive, he could get $5.2 million, somewhere in that range. Now, the question is, can Marcus Golden get a deal better than that elsewhere? Okay? We don't know that. We don't know that at this point. Money dries up once you get to this point. So nobody's giving Marcus Golden $8 million, $10 million right now, even though he had double-digit sacks. We know that. Is somebody going to give him two years, $10 million guaranteed? Because that would be better than he has now. Is somebody going to give him one year, $5 million guaranteed? Because that's better than the deal the Giants now have on the table. Because he has to hit that sack incentive. He has to get double-digit sacks to get up to that $5.2 million. So the deal is for Bailey is really one year, $4 million, with then a sack incentive for another million that's sitting out there. So the likelihood is somebody will give him a better deal. but. If the Giants can get him back at their price, which, like I mentioned, is pretty much one year, four million and change, and then a, a million dollar sack incentives available to him, which, let's be honest, getting double-digit sacks is not easy to attain. He barely got it last year, and I like Marcus Golden, but, you know, and I, it doesn't matter who you are. Getting double-digit sacks is tough. You sprain your ankle and miss two games, it's going to be really hard for you to get double-digit sacks. So that's not an easily obtainable incentive. So that's the Marcus Golden situation. Can he come back? Yes. Is it likely? No, it's still probably on the unlikely side. Is it impossible? No. I give it like a 30% chance right now, which isn't a crazy number. It's not terrible. It's not great. And the final one is Nate Solder. Are they going to cut Solder? Are they going to give him a pay cut? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? Are they going to move his position? Here's what I envisioned with Nate Solder. The Giants already paid him a $3 million roster bonus this year. So he's going to be on the roster. I'd be really, really surprised if he isn't on the roster. Now, there are scenarios where he doesn't end up on the roster. Let's say he gets beat out for a job. Let's say Andrew Thomas and either um, Cameron Fleming or Matt Pert beat him out for a job. And the Giants decide their best option to tackle is um, Andrew Thomas on the left and Cameron Fleming on the right, or even Matt Pert, which I, I, I would be surprised if at had a UConn third-round pick. But they're still going to get to the point where Nate Solder is going to go and he's going to compete this offseason, right? And he's on this roster. And let's not forget, he also can help Joe Judge and his program and make sure people are on board. So there's another benefit of Nate Solder. You know how, like, we talk about how Joe Judge was going to bring in his own guys and guys that he knows and is familiar with. Well, he has one on his roster already. His name is Nate Solder. The Giants already paid him $3 million. Is he? Has he been good? No, he has not. He has been bad. Actually, he's been brutal. His first uh, first year was okay. This year was pretty bad. So he hasn't been good. Has it been a good signing? Absolutely not. You can't look at it in any way, shape, or form and say this was a good signing to the to date. But he's probably going to be he Nate Solder. I believe is thirty two at whatever his prices in twenty twenty. Nate Solder is still likely. To be better than a rookie tackle. Rookie tackles struggle. I don't care where you're picked. So Nate Solder, let's say he, that his first year he was average, he was an average tackle. Like middle of the road. Okay. This past year he was lower. Let's just say he's in the 40 percentile of tackles. There's a good chance that that's better than a rookie tackle who's going to pay his dues as his first year in the NFL. So in order to best protect Daniel Jones, Nate Solder is likely part of the solution. So, I would be really surprised as of now if the Giants did not have Nate Solder on their roster this season. Is it possible? He's not. Sure. Anything's possible. He gets beat up for a job. Why are they going to sit him on the bench and keep him there? For everyone's best sake, it might be best to let him go. You know, I'm talking about final cuts type of time. But, what are the chances of that? Low. You know, 10% range. So now we're getting really low. We're talking real long shots here. I'm saying ninety percent I see Nate Solder being on this roster for the twenty twenty season. Evan Ingram too, enough with that. Evan Ingram's on this roster. Okay? He got his his fifty year options being picked up at six million, Jabril Peppers is being picked up at seven million. Those are good prices for those players. Now, do they have to stay healthy? Sure. They do. Has Ingram been able to do it? No. But that Those are not exorbitant prices. And those are prob maybe, I mean, aside from Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram's probably their most dynamic offensive player. And Jabril Pepper is probably their most dynamic defensive player. So no brainers. Evan Ingram's going to get a chance here. Joe Judge said something when he took over. His job, he doesn't want to hear what people can't do. He wants to hear what they can do. And Evan Ingram falls in that category where what can he do? is impressive. So Joe Judge, it's his job to get that out of him. Now, how does he keep him healthy? That's also part of his job. Freddie Kitchens, the new tight end coach, they're going to have to figure out the best way to keep Evan Ingram as healthy as possible over a 16-game season. Use him in a way where his talents shine and you limit the potential of him getting beat up. Not going to be easy, but Evan Ingram. Is gonna be on this roster and he's gonna be a key, a key player. A key player in Jason Garrett's offense for sure. Alright, with that, let's get into what we're here to do. On to the next one. Okay, this is what we came for. It's the part of this episode where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants After Dark. We're going to start. We have a 12 pack here, right? A full 12 pack. Okay. I think we're going to, we're going to touch on a lot of subjects here, mostly draft related and draft fallout, but here goes at swag D Jones eight with the first question. Do you see Andrew Thomas playing left or right in year one? Now I'm just guessing here because look, we don't even get to see them practice at any point this spring likely. We're. They're not going to get on the field together. So the Giants aren't really going to be able to know or figure this out anytime soon. Now they have ideas and I think the idea is to throw all the tackles in a pot, play them on both sides and find out what's the best combination for this year. So knowing that and knowing the way Joe Judges wants to approach this, I, my guesstimate is that Nate Soldier stays on the left side this year. Andrew Thomas plays on the right because like I mentioned before the likelihood is that Nate Solder's still the better left tackle right now right now year one Andrew Thomas coming in I know he's coming from the SEC and he's played a lot of good guys but the likelihood is probably a below average left tackle in year one okay so I think Nate Solder is probably better off on the left you put him on the right he won't you know that that's a big change for him he's played left tackle for how many years now so he stays on the left Andrew Thomas goes on the right for one season, and they roll with that. And Cameron Fleming is sort of the swing guy. And Matt Pert, the third-round pick out of UConn, he's a developmental project. Not going to have much of a spring to get on the field. Really hard for him to contribute. So I'm thinking Nate Solder stays on the left, Andrew Thomas on the right. But when they get on the field, they could switch that. They could maybe say, oh, you know what? We think Andrew Thomas is our best option at left tackle right now to protect... Daniel Jones' blind sign. I'd still lean towards Andrew Thomas on the right for year one. For year one. So question number two comes from Frankie Lifts. And Frankie Lifts asks, your favorite pick of the draft. Okay? Now, it's easy to go with Andrew Thomas on this because he's the safest bet. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you a fourth fourth overall pick is my favorite pick in the draft. Right? Because the Giants had their choice. Of really, really, really good players. I mean, heck, you should when you're picking in the top four. And I'm a little wishy wishy on McKinney. I've heard, I've talked to people who aren't in love with him. So that's not my option. Matt Pert is a little bit of a crapshoot to me because he's developmental. But the one that I like and I think is sneaky good is Darnay Holmes, the fourth round pick out of UCLA. Okay? Trying to find my notes on him here this notebook is getting is overflowing with information these days fourth round pick out of UCLA but I think he has a chance to seriously contribute in year one right think about it that's what, it was one of the Giants biggest needs that slot nickel cornerback okay Darnay Holmes now he hasn't played there a ton, but he did play there at the Senior Bowl and the Giants are projecting that he can do well there. You're talking about a guy who's a pretty good athlete, a ball hawk, uh, you know. So the speed and quickness out of that slot position, a guy who you would think he would be able to pick up the defense fairly quickly. Now, he's at a disadvantage, right, because of everything that's going on and the no spring and right now and who knows when they're going to get on the field. But Darnay Holmes is a guy who graduated college in two and a half years. So I think he has a chance to contribute immediately. And this has a good, has a chance to be a sneaky good pick. Darnay Holmes is a guy who led his team in interceptions every year, all three years at UCLA. And he missed a couple games this past year. So I like him. I, there's something about that. I, I think th- that just gives me optimism that not only can Darnay Holmes contribute, but he can contribute pretty quickly as in the 2020 season so question number three let's move on to at giants alliance asks do you think the giants were targeting biadits who's the center from uh wisconsin tyler biadits if i'm pronouncing his name right before the cowboys traded for him and i believe it was the the third or fourth fourth round i believe and the answer i think is no I don't think he was the Giants' target at that point. Everything I've heard suggested that he wasn't going to be an option for them. Now, I'm not exactly sure why, but I have some theories. One is he had a bunch of injury concerns at Wisconsin. I know he played, but that's partly why he didn't play well this past year. He had a, he was banged up in a lot of ways, so he has some medical stuff that's hanging over him. Plus, the Giants want their center to be athletic, to be able to get out in space, to be able to get to that second level. And I don't think the Giants were in Abern with that part of Beatriz's game. So now, is he a better fit for the Cowboys? Probably. If they're going to be more of that power team, which I think they are, which they have been a power downhill running type team. He probably fits a little better there. I don't think he was an ideal fit for what the Giants were looking for at center. Um which is why Hennessy and cushionberry the two guys that were taking what? Second, third roundish and the second beginning of third. I think it was beginning of the third, both of them. Uh those were the guys that I think if the Giants had a, a chance at them, they would have taken. They just didn't want to do it at pick thirty-six with a first round talent that they had. Because they had Xavier McKinney with a first-round talent on the board. Next question. We have A. Sherbat. Okay? And he asks, who is going to play center? And where is the pass rush going to come from? So, they didn't draft the They didn't draft anybody at center. Now they drafted Shane Lemieux, who's a guard, who they said they're going to cross-train at center. Now, I have a hard time believing Shane Lemieux, who has never played center before, is going to come in here as a rookie... With no spring and only virtual learning and be able to win the starting center, John. Now, Dave Gettleman had mentioned bringing John Jalapio back. I think that's an option. I think Jeremy Britt is someone that they're going to look at later on down the line. Like He has to get healthy, I believe. He's coming off an injury. I think that's an option they would look at. He's He comes from the Seahawks. So I don't really know who the starting center is going to be now. If we had to put something money down today, who's going to be the starting center? I think it would be between Nick Gates and Spencer Pulley. Not exactly the best options. Now, I have trouble seeing Nick Gates. If they want that center, which I believe they do, who can move and get to the second level and get out on screens, I think their best option right now is probably Spencer Pulley, which I know doesn't make people especially optimistic, but... Uh, I think that's that's the case. Now, as far as pass rush, people are, are want the Giants to add this guy, add that guy, you know, get back golden, get back the I think right now, and it makes sense, like for them, give O'Shane Zimenez, give Lorenzo Carter, give Tyler Fackrell, Kyler Fackrell, sorry, not Tyler. Kyler Fackrell, Give them the snaps, give them the opportunities. See what you have. Golden and Clowney or whoever, Cameron Wake, they're not getting this team over the top. So the pass rush is going to come from those guys. It really is. The Giants are going to bank on them. And then they're going to try and scheme up a lot of pressure. They've, they've Gettleman, they think they could scheme up a lot, a bunch of the pressure. You've seen it in a bunch of places in New England. Uh, Patricia in, in Detroit of trying to manufacture pass rush. Now, I don't think it generally works, but they're going to try and do it. We'll see if they could be successful. It's a lot easier said than done. It's a lot harder to execute. What is your, this is from, we're on question five at NYG and HOG. What is your projected offensive line for opening day? Okay, so we kind of went over this so far, but I got Nate Solder on, at left tackle. I got Will Hernandez at left guard. Spencer Pulley, I guess, at center. Will, uh, Will Hernandez, did I say Will Hernandez? Uh, yeah, Kevin Zeitler on the right, at right guard. And then at right tackle, you got Andrew Thomas. So, should be improved. How much? I don't know. We'll have to find out on that. At 92 in 82. This is a follow-up question number 6. As what are the odds on Matt Pert starting this season? I'd say pretty low. You're talking about a developmental project from Yukon. Okay? Coming and beating out veterans Nate Solder, Cameron Fleming from Yukon in year 1 with no spring. I keep saying this but it is so true. It's going to be hard for these guys and their immediate contributions. So, I would be really, really surprised if Matt Peirce starts, especially early this year. Even at any point this year, I think it's a stretch to say he's going to start. Question number seven, at Good Citizen 5, asks, who is more likely to start on the edge, Carter or Zimenez?" I brought up these two guys before. Zimenez is more the natural pass rusher, but he's a little bit on the smaller side. I think... Lorenzo Carter has the more, is the more versatile player. So when they're in run packages or specific packages where they might ask him to cover, it's probably going to fall on Lorenzo Carter first. So I think the likelihood is you have Lorenzo Carter on one side, you have Kyler Fackerel on the other side, right? And then O'Shane Zimenez, you have as sort of like your pass rush specialist in that type of role. So I think the likelihood is that they end up playing about the same. But if you ask me who's the starter by name, it'll probably be Lorenzo Carter. Because Kyler Fackrell himself isn't the best run defender. You put him in O'Shane Zimenez out there at the same time, who is a, I don't think is, that's not his top skill either. You're probably not in very good shape. And Joe Judge and Patrick Graham, who want to be an especially physical team, that's probably not the way they want to go. It's probably not going to work if that's the way they want to go. So, question number eight. Uh, whoops, got the wrong question here. All right, we have it from Malmstrom16. I don't have it in front of me, but it's, do the Giants sign an edge, a veteran edge rusher, if they don't get Marcus Golden? I do think that is a strong possibility. The Cameron Wake type. Uh, you know, the real veteran guy that's sitting on the market right now, just waiting Um I think Everett Griffin is probably out of their range. Wants to go to like a, a good team, but something like that, but a lesser, little lesser down on the totem pole. I think that's possible. Just to throw him in the mix to have a veteran voice in the room. This is if Marcus Golden isn't back around. Because think about it, they're willing to have Marcus Golden, the veteran, at a at a cheap price, come back. So if it's not Marcus Golden, they'll just substitute him with another veteran in that you know three four million dollar range. Say so come. We'll throw you into the mix like the Giants kind of did with Connor Barwin. It didn't really work out, but this will be a much shorter term solution. So, question number nine comes from Andre Sports fan. Why Xavier McKinney? He's talking at pick number 36 and were there any other options? So, my understanding about pick number 36 is the Giants were either looking at McKinney or Zach Bond, uh, the, the edge rusher outside linebacker from, or linebacker, just call him a linebacker, from Wisconsin. But McKinney was the guy that they had the highest grade on. He was that first round guy. And I told talked about this before the draft. If the Giants had a guy in the first round with a solid first round grade, and they woke up and they're sitting there at pick number 36, and that guy was still sitting there on the board, a la Landon Collins, in what, 2015 when that happened? Then they were going to grab him. And I think that's what happened here. The Giants had first round, and I know this, the Giants had a first round grade on Xavier McKinney. Solid first round grade. So he's sitting there and they wake up and they're four picks. They're the fourth pick of the second round and say, if this guy is there when we pick, we're taking him. They had him above the other safeties. They had him above uh, Jeremy Chin. They had him above Grant Delpitte or Delpit. Uh, They had him above uh, Antoine Winfield. So they had him at a different level and he was there. So they weren't going to pass up on that opportunity. And that's why they didn't trade down because they thought it was too good of value. Hey, look, we have this guy who we have a mid-first-round grade on. And he's sitting there at pick number 36. Lucky us. Let's do this. So, all right, next question. Question number 10, at Robb, R-O-B-B. I like your username, by the way. I think it's smart. Which offensive player do you expect to benefit the most from Garrett's new system? you are talking about Jason Garrett, the new offensive coordinator. One of the... Options that came into my head first was Saquon, just because it felt like they were pounding him into line, just flailing aimlessly. wasn't a huge part of the passing game. But then I started to think about it. Uh, You know, the, the Cowboys were never the best at using their running backs and making turning Ezekiel Elliott into a pass catcher, and he actually can catch the ball pretty well. So I moved off that, and I thought tight end is the position that Jason Garrett really tries to get a lot out of. So to me, the answer is Evan Ingram. Like, I think the Giants are going to have their passing game is going to have Evan Ingram as the first option. A good chunk. Like, he's going to be, they're going to scheme plays up for Evan Ingram in the passing game. I really do think that. And he's the guy that like, he's the mismatch, right? Is Darius Slayton or, or Golden Tate or Sterling Shepard, all good players. But do you look at them and you see who they're going against on defense and you say, oh, that's a massive mismatch? Or no, you say, oh, my God, I could get Evan Ingram on this ex-linebacker or ex-safety. That's the mismatch I think this offensive staff is going to look at and try to exploit. And so I do think that Evan Ingram, now granted he has to stay healthy, but I think he's the guy that can benefit the most. And if it's not him, next in line is Caden Smith. He flashed some last year when Evan Ingram wasn't around. So he'll have he'll be productive. That tight end position is gonna be productive. All right, question number eleven at Giant fan fourteen, Jim Foreman, actually wearing a San Francisco Giant hat in his picture. But he says, Who's do I think is the most intriguing, unrestricted free agent they sign? Who among them has the best chance to make the team? So to me, there's two guys that stand out. Right? Kyle Murphy, offensive lineman from Rhode Island. You follow the clues when it comes to these things, and the clues are the money. The Giants were intrigued by Kyle, Kyle Murphy to the point where he received the most guaranteed money twelve million dollars twelve twelve million. It's what he wishes. Twelve thousand of his signing bonus was guaranteed. Eighty five thousand of his base salary is guaranteed. So the Giants really already invested close to one hundred thousand dollars in him. Plus, you're talking about a guy who's versatile. I he's played all positions, all five positions on the line. That's a bonus, especially when you're looking at being a backup lineman, right? I like his tape. There's some positives. I, I, I mean, not by tape, I mean I, I looked at his YouTube highlights. Granted, he's playing against lesser competition than he's going to face, and the, the the size and strength is going to might be a little bit overwhelming at first for him. But he plays nasty. You like that about him? You see him finishing guys after the play. You like that about him? He's versatile. You like that about him. This gives him a chance. They invested him. You like that about him. So it's either him or Javon Leek, the running back from Maryland. Now, I know I'm a Maryland guy. You're going to say I'm biased on this one. But he's an explosive player. Now, if he could catch the ball well out of the backfield, whenever they have training camp or whatever, I think he has a chance. Remember something about Deion Lewis, who the Giants side from the Titans. Deion Lewis was guaranteed... Squaduche, nada, nothing. So he's not a lock to be on this roster. Wayne Gallman, not a lock to be on the roster. Javon Leak, Wayne Gallman, um, Jonathan Hilleman, who was on the roster last year, and Deion Lewis, all these guys are going to be competing for those spots behind Saquon Barkley. And it's anybody's job. And Javon Leak is an explosive player. The Giants need explosive players. On special teams as well. So, I like Javon Leak's chance to make this roster as well. I really do. So those are my two guys that, that probably stick out the most. And again, follow the money. Javon Leak, 15K signing bonus, 60K base salary guaranteed. So that's $75,000 they guaranteed him. Not saying that's guarantees anyone's spot on the roster. It doesn't. But it gives him a chance, for sure. Because it means... They wanted him after the draft. They were very interested in making sure he was on their roster. Final question, number 12. At campaign ZZZ, campaign ZZZ, what progressions do you think Danny Dimes and the offense take this year? Well, if the Giants want to have any chance now and into the future, it's going to be contingent on the growth of this offense. Because they still, you have to think about it this way. They're still so heavily invested in that offense. That a- offense has to carry them. Do they have to take them to the playoffs in the Super Bowl? No. Do they have to be a top-five offense? No. But they were a bottom half of the league offense last year. Bottom half of the league. With Pat Shermer, who I think is a- actually a pretty good offensive mind. With some offensive talent all around the roster. Now, granted, a lot of it got injured. Saquon Barkley got injured. Evan Ingram got injured. Sterling Shepard got injured. Golden Tate got himself suspended. But they weren't good. The line wasn't very good. They underperformed. They underperformed. The offense underperformed. The play calling at times was unimaginative in the first half of the year, I thought. Now, the Giants are have, think about it. They have now put, they've had three picks in a row, top six in the draft. All three of them have been invested on offense. Andrew Thomas, Daniel Jones, and Saquon Barkley. When you're making that kind of investment in the offense, that unit has to be good. If that unit isn't good, And doesn't make a huge stride this year. If Daniel Jones doesn't make that huge strides in year two, where he cuts down on the turnovers, has a better command of the offense, makes more plays, then the Giants are in huge trouble. They're going to go 4-12 and again this year if the offense isn't good. They're going to stink. Now, their saving grace is Daniel Jones. You saw enough last year, I think, where you're optimistic he could be a quality quarterback. You're optimistic he's going to make strides this year. And I think by making strides, number one is cutting down on the turnovers. You just can't turn the ball over that, that much. You can't fumble every game. You can't, can't have a turnover every game. He's got to cut that down. He's got, he's got a 20 turnovers tops, right? And then produce 30 touchdowns. You really want to be two, two to one touchdowns to turnovers. In his case, he was basically one to one last year. So a good progression, I think would be one and a half to one, right? So like I said, 30 touchdowns, 20 turnovers. Okay. Doable in year two. And then next year get even better. And if not, they're screwed. They're screwed. Daniel Jones has a good year. The Giants offense plays well. The defense is serviceable. They could go eight and eight or so. That's a solid season for this team. Let's be honest. Daniel Jones doesn't progress. The offense is still bottom half of the year and they're winning three, four, five games. They're going to be bad. Bad team. Defense. Again, I, I said this going into last year, and they couldn't do it because the defense was even less talented than it is now. Average defense this year is a win for them. We just want an average defense. I don't care what the numbers said or where they finished. If it came down to it last year, the Giants were so deficient on talent on defense that if the other team needed to move the ball or wanted to move the ball, they could do it against that defense. That's how bad they were talent-wise. Everyone sit here. I know there's people out there. And they're going to say the defensive coordinator, this defensive coordinator, that. No. That team with all the rookies, young players, and no real difference maker was talentless on on an NFL scale. I mean, bad. This year they just have to be decent. Because the offense, they have to be good. They have to put some points on the board. They have to not turn the ball over and put the defense in terrible spots like they did last year. So it was a bad defense getting put in terrible spots by an offense that was turning the ball over like crazy. Talk about an awful combination. That's how you end up 4-12. They end up 4-12 and 12 again this year if the offense and Daniel Jones do not make a progression. Three top six picks in a row. Offense. you got to be good. No excuses for this offense not to make strides and be a quality offense. And if it is? If it isn't good, it's probably going to cost Dave Gettleman his job because they can't go 4-12 and 12 again. So Dave Gettleman can't go 4-12, and 5-11, 4-12 and, and, and take three players on offense and the offense be below average. And if he does, you have to scratch your head and be like, what the heck is going on here? Because it's a production business. Everybody knows that. And now it's time for the offense to produce. On to the next one. Hope I touched on everything on that Giants after dark. I think I, we had a good wide range of questions there. Thank you everyone so much for submitting the questions. As always, keep firing them my way. I'll, I'll do my best to answer them. Uh, better chance if you send me questions on Instagram that I actually is even as a DM that I actually see it. Uh, Twitter, Twitter feed gets clogged up a lot with a bunch of garbage or whatever. Uh, it just moves very quickly that it can get lost in the shuffle, so that's just a heads up. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, email, wherever you want to reach me, as always, please do. Do a little Giant uh, Jordan on the beat where I give you a feel of what it's like to be an NFL reporter, someone covering the Giants, an ESPN reporter. And today it's – I'm going to give you a feel of where I'm at right now, okay? We're in this stay-at-home Coronavirus, pandemic, uh quarantine-type situation, right? We're all stuck at home, especially if you live in New York, New Jersey. You're pretty much at home. You're not going anywhere unless you have to. And so for work purposes, I'm home. So the podcast, we're obviously taping at home. Now I have an infant, you know, an eight-month-old boy. I got a nine-year-old girl who's doing schoolwork around the house. I got a wife who works remotely. So we're all trying to get stuff done. It's chaos around the house. My office is kind of open anyway, so it's not really good to tape the podcast there because it could get echoey. So I gotta find a space. So I'm now sitting in my closet. Not a, not any closet. This is like the, my, our second, my second closet, right? Where I have some clothes in here, but it's really more of a storage closet. It's a storage closet, it's not more, but it's a storage closet slash, um, my secondary closet. Somehow I have two walk-in closets. Might say something about me. Having too much clothes or something. I don't know. So I'm sitting here right now. I got a chair that's from my daughter's desk when she was little or from her like play table. So I'm at, I'm at like a, I'm sitting on a kitty chair, white kitty chair. Okay. With suitcases. This is where we keep our suitcases piled up in front of me. I have three suitcases with the microphone in a holder. Okay. My ESPN mic in, in a, in a holder on top of the three suitcases. To my right, I have extra pillows that we have in the house, okay? And on top of the pillows is my phone and my trusty notebook. To my left is a shelf. I have all my hats up here. I have my tie machine or whatever, tie organizer, basically hanging on my left shoulder. I have a Danny Zuko fake leather jacket from dressing up to one of my daughter's things, hanging up in front of my face. Some old jerseys. I have a Dream Team jersey. Chris Mullen, number 13. Chris Mullen, right in front of me. A Knicks Anthony Mason jersey. A Steve Blake Maryland jersey. A suit jacket to my left. Some long sleeve shirts to my right. This is where I'm at. I have a DVD player sitting on the shelf up there. And a humidifier I see in the, you know, near the ceiling. This is how we're working these days. This is where I'm producing content for you guys. I'm sitting In my secondary clothes slash storage closet. On a little kid's chair with my microphone standing on top of three suitcases. Welcome to 2020, ladies and gentlemen. Breaking big blue. Straight from my closet. Yes, that's where we're at these days. I'm in my closet. Oh, boy. Could be worse things for sure than sitting in my closet. But I will tell you, I'm about to finish this episode. Wrap it up and stand up. And my legs right now are sore because this chair is not made for somebody who's five foot 11. Chair is probably made for somebody's three foot 11. And so it does not feel great. And with that, that's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, follow. Make sure you subscribe. Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. You have the ESPN app. You have, uh, iHeartRadio. You have all Apple podcasts. Everywhere you can find podcasts is pretty much available. Rate it. Give us a good rating. We appreciate it. We need that. Spread the word. Let's build this podcast. I'm Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com. Giants reporter. See you next time.